Closer? Yeah. We're good? Yeah. Okay, tov, everyone. Very good, Arab Shabbat. As we're all aware, this uh, week's Parsha is the uh, Parsha that describes the golden calf, the Egalazov. And uh, as such, it is perhaps uh, one of the most uh, layered Parshas in the Torah, meaning to be under, to try and be understood and grasped on many different layers and many different viewpoints. And uh, it's a very difficult parsha. The difficulty is obvious. Uh, two weeks ago, we read uh, three. Uh, no, a few weeks ago, we read about Mamad Harsinai, Nasev and Ishma, chosen peoples, Gula Mikolahamin, the second of the commandments, Lo and how do they descend into uh, worshiping a golden calf? And uh, there are myriad, myriad interpretations of this, all of which are true, because there are many things that go in to make up human behavior. Very rarely is human behavior the product of one motivation alone. It's a combination of experiences, of ideas, of circumstances. But uh, I'm going to dwell on a pasuk in this week's parsha that uh, found a special resonance in the works of many of the great Hasidic masters. The Jewish people sin. Bill Diego. Moshe Rabbeinu descends from the mountain. The letters from the uh, tablets evaporate. They fly away. The stones are so heavy he cannot hold them. They fall shattered that's the end then a civil war breaks out Moshe says the Levium gathered And there was a civil war, and thousands of people were killed in the civil war. So the whole, the whole uh, exodus from Egypt, everything is shattered here. If there ever would be a moment that they would say, uh, Let's go back to Egypt. This would be the moment. It's all, look what happened there. In Egypt, we didn't kill each other.
Moshe then says to the Jewish people, uh, I'm going to try and go up to heaven and see if I can somehow bring forgiveness for this. Maybe there'll be a forgiveness for you. So the, the Torah says that uh, heaven offered Moshe, listen, forget about them, they, they're, they're useless, we're never going to make a people out of them. Let's start with you. You'll become the great people. Now that's an offer that many people would uh, deem to be... Uh, acceptable to them. And heaven offers it to him. And in other words, if it couldn't happen, then heaven wouldn't have offered it. It's not that Moshe volunteers here. Yet what happens is that Moshe says no. Not only he says no, he says, "The Mayan mecheni no mesifra chosher kosovta." If you don't forgive them, erase me from the book. I don't want to have. I, there's no Moshe. The Lord says, "I will forgive who I want to forgive, and I'll erase who I want to erase." Don't tell me what to do. And then Moshe goes up for forty days to bring forgiveness for the Jewish people who comes down on Yom Kippur. Wondrous story. Completely illogical. Irrational. But what we find uh, even more difficult, and this is what's raised by the Hasidic uh, Svarim, it's in the Svasemis, it's also in the Oev Yisrael, What did Moshe say to Rabboni Shalom? How did he want to be? If you want, you want to bring forgiveness for something. The parent comes to the teacher and he says, my child is, my child can't read because he's dyslexic. My child uh, didn't get enough sleep so he couldn't come for the test. My child was bullied. That's why he doesn't like school. Nobody comes to the teacher and says, my child is an awful child, evil to the, to the core. But you should forgive That's not the way the world works. Uh, we, uh, if you go for a judgment, you want to always introduce mitigating circumstances. So Moshe should have said, the Medrash puts words in Moshe's mouth, but it doesn't appear in the text. Moshe should have said, you know, they were just slaves in Egypt. They're coming from 300 years of paganism. 
They're in shock from the uh, revelation at Sinai. <coughs> they never bought in from the beginning that they're going to be an Amzgula and a Mamlechus Kalanim. That's what he should have said. So therefore, that's why they fell into, uh, into the golden calf. Because that's what they were accustomed to. That's all they know. You'll take a child that never had a Jewish education and ask him why he doesn't know Gemara. That's stupid. Never went to school. How could he know Gemara? Moshe doesn't say that. Moshe says, Omnom choto mazechato gdolo. This people made a great mistake, a great sin, terrible thing that they did. Now you should forgive them. That's the way to be a defense attorney. That's the question that this forum raised. An excellent question. Because Moshe offers no defense here, zero defense. He doesn't say all the things that could have been said. Could have said it was the heir of Rav. It wasn't the real the real Jews didn't sin. He could have said all sorts of things, all of which were true. And the only thing he says is, yeah, they did a terrible thing. He's a mur. My client is a murderer. He killed everybody. So on that point, there are a few ideas that we can take. And it's especially important, uh, I think that the the uh, the attitude here of the great Hasidic masters uh, towards Jews and towards the problems of Jews is visible. Because we're not going to excuse what happened. We're going to try and understand what happened. It's two different things completely. In our modern world, uh, we ex- not only understand criminality, we excuse it because we think we understand it. He grew up in a bad neighborhood. What do you want? His father was a member of the mafia, or he had the, he never had a father. Or he went to uh, an inner city public school. What chance does he have? So understanding the circumstances becomes the excuse. But in Judaism, there are two different things completely. We can understand the circumstances, but it is still not an excuse it still doesn't remove the culpability. 
we have a rule in halacha, onus rachmona patre. Something that's forced upon a person so then the person is freed from the obligation of doing the mitzvah. Can't do it. But that doesn't mean that he has the mitzvah. He may not be responsible for not having the mitzvah, but the, the bottom line is he didn't do the mitzvah. My wife was a a teacher of fourth grade for 25 years in Muncie. I always used to joke that uh, if she ever understood fractions, they let her into fifth grade. She didn't laugh either. So uh, she told me this story one day that she had assigned a book report uh, for the, to be due in a month. Uh, every all the girls are supposed to hand it in, you know, do the book report. Came the day everybody hands in the book report, but one child does not hand it, one student does not hand it. In. So. Uh, my wife said to her, you know, uh, Leah, where, where's your book report? So she said, well, I had it all ready, and I put it in the trunk of my father's car, and he sold the car. <laughs> so my wife said that was the greatest excuse she ever heard. <laughs> to give the girl an A for creativity. <laughs> but at the end of the day, there was no book report, Right? That's the end of the day. So uh, that's how the Torah looks at things. At the end of the day, right, all the excuses in the world, right, but the end is not there. So what's the story here with the Egel and with Moshe? What is Moshe saying? How does Moshe dare to say to heaven, forgive them? And he doesn't give heaven, so to speak, any reason to forgive them. So here we have really a, a facet, you know, part of the problem always in teaching Chumash that I have found over the years is that you can only communicate a facet. You can't give the whole picture because it's beyond human ability to do so. So therefore, everybody takes a piece, and sometimes uh, you never get the whole picture because you've only taken a piece of it. (coughs) So today's piece goes as follows. Moshe said, Omnan choto omaze chato gdola. The word chet, the word chato in Hebrew is not necessarily a willful sin. Chet means that you missed the target. Somehow you went wrong. And uh, 
בתנ״ך הצמחתי את המטרה. You missed the target. The Avera is a different word. It doesn't say Onam Ovaro Omazer Avera Gdolo. Avera is I know what to do and I don't do it. I go over it. Oshom is that I'm guilty. I know that I did something wrong. When it comes to Chet, people don't even know they did anything wrong. What? They, they miss the... Uh, I know. No, no, somebody, tell them to mute, please. Chet is uh, a mystic mark. So to speak, I intended to hit the mark, but I missed it. My aim was not accurate. So Moshe says that to heaven, this is a people that is always searching for utopia. That's always searching for a better world. It's always searching, so to speak, to get closer to God, to you. But it missed the mark. It took the wrong turn. They thought they could do it this way. They didn't say, we don't believe. They didn't say there is no God. They said, this is okay, you know. We don't know what happened to Moshe, so this is the golden calf is our Moshe. That's how we're going to worship God. We have... Uh, play a guitar in the service. That's how we're going to worship. But we're worshiping. It was a search for spirituality, so to speak. It's a search for the, the better world. And therefore you have to forgive them because this, that's what their search is. There's a famous uh, Hasidic uh, discussion between the Yitzhak uh, Vorker, the Vorker Rebbe, and the Kotzka Rebbe, Rebbe Menachem Mendel Morgenstern. They were friends, colleagues together in Pshischa. So the Vorker Rebbe asked the Kotzker, he said, I don't understand. The Jewish people build the golden calf and they worship it and God forgives them. The spies come back and they say uh, Eretz oil is too hard and everything that they say is true. And God does not forgive that. 
That generation doesn't go to Eretz Yisrael. That's it. Their doom is sealed. Logically, I would say that the golden calf is far worse than that. You can go to Eretz Yisrael because San Diego is more comfortable. I understand that. And here is Omna Choto, Omazech, Hato, Gdola, and you forgive him. How do we reconcile it? So the Vorker said, I mean, the greatness of the, these people. The Vorker said, when the Jewish people did tshuva, Moshe came down, and the Jewish people did tshuva on the Chet Oego. And they drank from the waters, the ground up the gold. So at that moment in their spiritual development, they were unaware that tshuva helps because they didn't have an example of it helping. Nevertheless, they did full tshuva. So God forgave them. But when it came already by Eretz Yisrael about the spies, they already knew that tshuva helps. So therefore their tshuva was insincere. It's kamo echtev oshuv. I'll commit the sin and then I'll do tshuva. I'll steal the money but I'll give 10% to charity. And therefore God did not forgive them. That's what the Vorker said. Nikotsker said to him, I have a different interpretation. My interpretation is by the Chetzal Hegel, the Jewish people were searching for God. They were searching for spirituality. They were searching for utopia. They had they had a great goal in mind. Yisrael, this is your God. So God forgave them. They were wrong, followed the wrong path, wrong beliefs, but he forgave them. By the Miraglim, by Eretz Yisrael, it was only a question of Gashmias. They weren't searching for anything, they just said it's uncomfortable. Eretz Israel is uncomfortable. When the, the reason for the rebellion is because of personal discomfort so that God did not forgive them. So that's what Moshe said here. The people sinned, but they missed the mark. They wanted to do something good. 
They wanted to have a God. They made a terrible mistake, but they wanted something good. I remember I had my, one of my rabbis in the yeshiva. I didn't understand it uh, then. It takes 40 years to understand what your rabbi tells you, and sometimes even then you don't get it. So by me, it's uh, maybe 65 years already. It's more than that. It's uh, 70 years already. So when I grew up in Chicago, there was a big, uh, large, vocal Jewish Communist Party. And they were anti-religious to the core. And once in a while, one of these guys would show up in the yeshiva and he would try and give a a rabble-rousing message that we should all somehow follow Marx instead of Rabbeinu Tam. And so uh, we asked the Rebbe, what does he say about this? So he said, uh, they're looking for something. They really want to have a better world. They're wrong. They took the wrong turn. But they have a pursuit of a goal. Terrible goal, but nevertheless that they... They're looking. They're looking to have a spiritual, they want to have a fair world, and well, all the baloney. He said, but there are those that, uh, they're not, uh, you know, they only want to have uh, more uh, material goods. They only want to have more power. They only want to have more wealth, etc. They don't have any spiritual goal." that will cause far greater damage. We can see that uh, in front of our eyes, what happened to American Jewry. They didn't assimilate because they became communists. They assimilated because of the fact that they uh, worshipped the golden calf. So uh, the pursuit of spirituality is a dangerous, dangerous topic. That's what the great Hasidic master said. It can lead to golden calves. But at least there's a goal there. There's something. Whereas the pursuit of only worldly pleasures and material gain, that's a sin that's not easily forgiven and that has consequences. The Gemara teaches us, There were four great men that attempted to reach the heights of spirituality. Three of them were damaged by it. 
one lost his mind. One uh, uh, never married or had children. One became an apicorus. Only Rabbi Akiva escaped. So again, the Mephorshim point out the pursuit of ultimate spirituality is dangerous. I mentioned this week regarding the Ktoras, the incense. So the incense was a blessing, but the incense was lethal. It could cure all of the plagues, but it brought death to those who didn't deserve to use it. So too is the pursuit of spirituality. It's dangerous. Therefore the Torah, I don't know how to put this nicely, but you're sophisticated enough to understand what I'm trying to say. The Torah is not spiritual. The Torah is meat and potatoes, put on film, be a Shomer Shabbos, listen to the chauffeur, eat kosher. The layers of spirituality have been built over it. And they're undoubtedly true and present. But that's not what the Torah emphasized to you. The Torah emphasized to you human behavior. Human behavior, what to do. Because if we start out and we're looking to get to the utopia, we're looking for all this spirituality, so then uh, many times we miss the mark, becomes a chet, we miss the mark. Somebody this morning, uh, the young man that I walk with, uh, he's telling me he's got a friend, uh, you know, yeshiva, went to, they went to the yeshiva together, etc., etc. His friend is a guru now in Nepal. He's spiritual to the, to the heavens. He's nuts. He's an addict. Everything happened tried to find I was uh, once uh, someone called me it was late at night in fact I was asleep and he woke me and he wants to consult with me about a shidduch that he's in the middle but wants to know what what do I know about this girl? You know, so like two in the morning I'm not really interested. But okay, whatever he asked, he answered it like this makes a difference. And then he says, Can I ask you one more thing? So I said, All right. So he said, Is she spiritual? So I said, I hope not. <laughs> I don't know if he understood it, but I thought it was a blessing. I hope not. 
because then you'll have a wife and you'll have a mother and you'll have a Jewish home and you'll have a family and you have a sense of normalcy and you'll have what the Lord wanted to have. So it's a dangerous area. So I wouldn't give this lecture publicly. And since nobody ever listens, so I, I have no qualms about it. But that these are concepts and layers to understand from this Parsha. It's not black and white. Nothing in the Torah is. And so many shades of color and of nuance to try and understand and incorporate it into our lives as well. So have a Shabbat Shalom, everyone, and thank you for coming, and stay dry. This Saturday night is 8.30 in the lecture.